Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Well, Brain, uh, thanks for coming to Philadelphia last weekend. That was a good time. It was fun. It was a good time, and it was a nice surprise, very pleasant surprise, having some friends and family come visit me for a surprise weekend in Philadelphia. It was a great time. I think one of the highlights of the trip was watching the Dolphins game on delay with you and and our buddy Nick at Mr. Gator, the uh, proprietor of Primetime Pro Wrestling in the uh, Northern Virginia District of Columbia area. And we sat there and we watched the Miami Dolphins win a game against the New York Jets. And, you know, a lot of people have been riding high after that victory, which, I mean, you can't really blame them because it's certainly a feeling that we have not felt a lot this year. I remember the season that the Dolphins went 1-15 and and they got that overtime win over Baltimore. That was a great couple of days right after that because you really felt good. It was nice to get that win, especially when you were starting to be scared that the team might not win a game at all that season. And I think a lot of people are feeling similarly after the Dolphins got that win over the Jets. But I'm also now starting to hear a lot of people going, well, this team is going to win several more games. And this team has certainly just, they're not tanking. Tanking is not something that is happening. Uh, we're, we're really working hard to try to win games. And this team is probably going to end up with three or four wins. And to those folks, I'm just like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Let's everybody calm down. Everybody pump the brakes a little bit. Yes. This team has been performing better every week, pretty much since that Washington game. This team has been starting to get, I mean, really, you could say since the very beginning, the team has improved marginally each week over the course of the season, which is good. But let's not get carried away with the idea that the Dolphins are now somehow a very competent team that is definitely going to win uh, a handful of games here in the second half of the season. They're still one in seven and it still took a terrible New York Jets team with a quarterback who is lost and Adam Gase as their head coach. It took that team coming into Miami for the Dolphins to win a game. So I just want to say, let's pump the brakes on the idea that this is Dolphins team is somehow now going to win a lot of games. Yes, it's good that they, they won that game, but I still think that this is not a team that is quite ready to, you know, that I'm quite ready to say that we now have no chance at the number one pick in the draft. In fact, ESPN put up a graphic and they showed so with the Dolphins win the Dolphins now currently occupy the fourth spot in the NFL draft with their one and seven record the number one spot in the draft is currently the Cincinnati Bengals who are 0 and 8 followed by the Redskins at 1 and 8 the Jets at 1 and 7 and the Dolphins and Falcons at 1 and 7 but ESPN did some figuring of the percentage chance that a team is going to win to, to earn the number one pick in the draft. And in spite of the fact that the Dolphins are currently number four, the Dolphins at 37% are still, still have the highest chance, highest probability of earning the number one pick 
according to ESPN. The Bengals are two at 34% because we got to remember the Jets still have to play the Bengals and the Bengals still have to play the Dolphins and the Dolphins and Jets still have to play again. So there is a lot. There's still a very good possibility that the Dolphins may end up with that number one pick in the draft. So I'm not ready to give up on that quite yet, even though some people are. Brain, what are, what are your thoughts on the Dolphins? They're they're flying high. Fans are feeling good. Are, are you ready to kiss the number one pick goodbye? Of course not. I mean, first off, we hold our own destiny. Uh, you know, if we lose to the Bengals and we lose to the Jets, if we lose out, all likelihood, uh, we're going to have the number one pick. Uh, you still have to look at uh, I mean, they showed the graphic of the Jets' upcoming schedule and, and the Jets' upcoming schedule. I'd be shocked if the Jets didn't win a couple of these games. I mean, they've got the Bengals coming up, the Redskins coming up. Uh, they've got, I mean, Oakland's looking like a pretty decent team. That, that's probably a loss for them, but they still got to play the Giants. Um, and then they've got the Dolphins again. Uh, so I think the Jets are going to win some games. The Bengals, uh, the Bengals are probably our biggest threat because the Bengals have looked so poor. Uh, but the thing is, is that the Bengals are getting a little bit healthier. They're getting AJ Green back, who's going to be a big weapon for them. They still have a competent quarterback. Uh, you feel like they're going to find a way to win a game before they get to that game against Miami. I think it's all setting up for that showdown. But the, I think the biggest uh, concern that you got to have uh, as far as getting the number one pick is this Dolphins team seems to get, be getting better every week. And, I mean, that's a great thing when you're evaluating the coaching staff and evaluating whether or not this team is on the right path. But it's a scary proposition when you want to get that number one pick because if the team's playing better every week, uh, you still got uh, another game against the Jets. You still got the game against uh, the Bengals. You got a game against the uh, against the Giants. That's a very winnable game. And this week we're getting the Indianapolis Colts, who are a little bit banged up, particularly. Uh, at quarterback and at wide receiver. And it makes you wonder, do the Dolphins have a good shot at winning this week's game? Because if they, if they win this week's game, then I, I think it lends a lot more credence to the idea that you can kiss the number one pick goodbye. Cause uh, if this team's winning two in a row and they're beating a, 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 an Indianapolis team while banged up is still a contending team. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's not a uh, it's not a stretch to see this team winning another game or two after that and ending up the season, you know, closer to four and 12, which probably is not going to get you the number one pick. Yeah, I would I, at this point, I would doubt very strongly that four wins is going to result in the number one pick. It just seems highly unlikely. Yeah, I think two at most is yeah. probably your your best bet. I I I mean, obviously, you know, one win, if we lose out, I believe we will have the number one pick. Uh, if we get a second win, as long as it is not against the Bengals, <laughs> I feel pretty confident, uh, that we'll get the number one pick. But, uh, any more than two wins, I think you can kiss the number one pick goodbye. The good thing, well, I don't know, maybe good, maybe bad, maybe, you know, we got a big college football game to watch this weekend because, 
you know, Joe Burrow's been climbing up the draft board. And with Bama playing LSU this week, uh, we don't know if two is going to be a hundred percent, but we're going to get a good look at Joe Burrow versus Tua Tagovailoa. And, you know, maybe the drop off isn't as big as we thought it was from, from QB one to QB two. Um, and maybe at that point, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world because the other thing that you got to figure out. As we get closer to this thing, if we don't get the number one pick is what do you do if you don't get the number one pick? Do you take the next best quarterback off the board or do you use all of this draft capital that you have accrued through these trades to ensure that you still get Tua by trading up to the number one pick? Yeah, I think that's something that we're going to be thinking about and probably talking about and the more it becomes something that is a poss- a real possibility of the idea that the Dolphins don't get the number one pick. I think that's something to consider. I don't really think I'm ready to fully entertain that. We talked a little bit about it in that quick hit that we did in Philadelphia last uh, earlier this week. Um, but it's certainly something we'll keep in mind, and it's something that we'll consider. Uh, before we move on to the next topic, we did have a question that sort of goes along with that idea of that big football game this this Saturday uh, between LSU and Alabama. It's a question that comes to us from at the Navarone Gun. That's Patrick Mullen. He says, "What are you, what are your non Tua thoughts on quarterback options for next year?" So I guess that could mean. Anything, whether it's players via draft or free agents or trades, uh, what are, do you have thoughts on what the Dolphins might do at quarterback if it turns out that despite their best efforts, Tua is unavailable? Well, I think, the, you know, the best case scenario, if we don't have the number one pick and we don't get Tua, the best case scenario is finding your your quarterback of the future through the draft. The question is, is there another guy in this draft class right now? I'm not a hundred percent sold, but I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Joe Burrow. Uh, Justin Herbert is an interesting prospect because he's got all the tools. Uh, but because, but the offense that he's in, he, he throws a lot of screen passes he doesn't make a lot of he doesn't have to make a lot of you know decisions where he's diagnosing the defense and 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 breaking things down and because of that you wonder where he's at in the cerebral part of the game the processing part of the game so i'm not necessarily sold on herbert but he's an interesting prospect because he's got all the tools and then there's jake from who has all of the intangibles and the mental processing, but just does not have that that big NFL arm. I mean, Tua doesn't have a big NFL arm, but he has a, an arm to make an you know pretty much all of the throws. Uh, Jake Fromm, I think, is going to struggle in that regard. I'm I like Jake Fromm, and I I would like like if. If I was, uh, I, I think you could win with Jake from if you've got a great team around him, but I'm not sold that I would take Jake from to be my franchise quarterback with a top five pick. Uh, I just, you know, I, I think there's too many limitations there, but, uh, 
you know, he's a gamer and he's accurate and he knows where to go with the ball when. So, uh, he's very interesting. So right now, um, I, I'm, you know, Tua is far and away the guy and then Joe Burrow and then I would say, I would say Herbert and then Fromm, but I think, it's pretty close between Burrow, Herbert, and Fromm, and there's a lot more evaluating to do uh, in that regard. If it's not drafting a quarterback, I think then you got to look. Yeah, then you got to look at free agency. You got to look at trades uh, at other quarterbacks. Maybe a veteran quarterback. You know, maybe maybe there's a way to get Philip Rivers. I'm not necessarily sold to Philip Rivers because by the time this team is good, I will Philip Rivers still have enough in the tank. He's Philip Rivers is interesting because he he's got a lot of talent and every year he proves to be, you know, a very good quarterback in this league, but there always seems to be a yeah but with Philip Rivers and the and the and the Los Angeles Chargers. They never seem to be able to get over the hump. So I don't know that it inspires a lot of confidence, uh, confidence, and I don't know what you'd have to give up to get him. Uh, Cam Newton looks like he's going to shake free, but at this point, I think you're looking at a broken Cam Newton. I think you're looking at a Cam Newton that's going to have to win from the pocket, and that's just not his forte. Uh, so I I wouldn't. You know, I might kick the wheels on it and give him like a one year, you know, low risk deal, but uh, he wouldn't be the guy that I, at at this rate, (sighs) I I don't know. I mean, you want to say, well, what about the the following year with Trevor Lawrence? Well, first off, Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked that great. And second, second of all, we're not tanking next year. So... Uh, like we we're gonna spend some money in free agency. We got all these draft picks, so if we're not trading it, trading these picks to move up, I mean we're gonna be substantially better next year. And so Trevor Lawrence is kind of a pipe dream. So I think you really got to get the quarterback in this draft. Um, Gardner Minshew is, is a possibility. Or I was gonna ask you about him. I, uh, what do you think of parting with a a first or you probably have to give up a first round based on how he's played. But assuming Nick Foles comes well, in, I wouldn't. if Nick wouldn't. Foles comes in and plays great football for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the rest of this season, what would you be willing to part with to potentially bring a Gardner Minshew in to have a look at him as your quarterback? Well, the thing is, I mean, look, there's value in the fact that Gardner Minshew has had some success now at the NFL level. It's not like extensive success. It's, you know, his, his rookie year in the league and what, eight games. Um, so there's value there and he's certainly going to be worth more than what was he? A sixth round pick? Certainly going to be worth more than that because now he is a viable option as a starting quarterback. But if you got to give up a first round pick, I don't know. I don't know that I'd do it because I would look at the quarterbacks that are available and I'd say these guys are better prospects than Gardner Minshew because Gardner Minshew, his ceiling is Chad Pennington. Fair enough. Uh, let's let's move on from that question. Uh, Patrick did have one other question for you, and he says, does the brain officially retract his coaches are in the tank conspiracy theory? I, I know. I think I know what the answer to this is because I was sitting there with you watching the game, and as things were happening, you were going, "Oh, look at this! There it is! They're trying to lose! They're trying to lose!" And then it just turned out that the Jets were more inept than the Dolphins. 
I think that there are times in this ga- in the games where they I'm not going to necessarily say that they're outwardly, you know, telling, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> uh to to screw it up cuz I, I you run a lot of risks when you do that. But it's just awfully fishy the way that first half ended. I mean, you you can't get out of your own end zone on a QB sneak to avoid a safety. I mean, that's that's pretty that I mean, you don't see that happen. Again, this is one of those things that you don't see happen. Um and so we end up with the safety and giving the, basically giving the Jets 5 points at the end of the half. I believe that there is a little bit still at play there. I believe that they're trying and that Brian Flores wants his team to play well. But I think that they're taking unnecessary risks because if they lose, they know that it's not the worst thing in the world. So no, I, I don't officially retract it. Look, if we win this game, I'll, I'll officially retract it. But there's just too many fishy things every single week. To, for me to for me to just completely overlook it I, I think uh it just so happens that you know Sam darnold throws that interception at the end of the half Sam darnold couldn't Adam Gase decides not to call any timeouts at the end of the game uh they get a safety because they they snap the ball over you know darnold's not looking when they snap the ball I mean the Jets are so much of a comedy of errors that the Dolphins arguably the worst team in the league trying to lose still can't lose to the Jets. That's how bad the Jets played that game. So the answer is you still believe that that is something that's going on. I do. I'm not, I, okay. I, look, I was Listen. never a hunt, never a hundred percent sold, but I'm not a hundred percent sold now that it's still not something that's happening. It just, I, there's just too many. I'm looking at it and, and I'm just keeping my eyes open. I'm, I'm just looking at it. We'll look forward to your spot on Alex Jones' show over there on InfoWars talking about your conspiracy theories. Fantastic. We got some, uh, personnel news this week, brain. Uh, unfortunately, Preston Williams is out for the season. He tore his ACL. He's got an ACL tear and is going to be out for the season and most of the offseason. Really unfortunate for the star undrafted rookie. Uh, out of Colorado State, he was really, pro- I think he was the number one receiver for this team this season and now uh, is going to be on the shelf for the rest of the season and most of the offseason, which is disappointing to say the least. Um, additionally, Cordrea Tankersley has not been activated from the pup list, so it sounds like he is going to be uh, shut down for the season. Additionally, the Dol- Dolphins also released um, the offensive line reclamation project, Robert Kandichi. Um It just turns defensive like... Defensive line. A defensive line, excuse me. They, they, they've dropped him, uh, cut him from the team. It just wasn't working out. Uh, the Dolphins have now signed wide receiver Gary Jennings, who was a... Uh, who was a rookie with the Seattle Seahawks, was released after the Seahawks picked uh, Josh Gordon up off of waivers. The Dolphins have also signed defensive back Marcus Shirelles and running back Delance Turner because uh, Mark Walton has been suspended for four games for his offseason um, 
indiscretions. This was something that the Dolphins knew was coming. This is not a new um, event for uh, Mark Walton. So it's not like he is his spot on the team is in jeopardy. This was something the Dolphins knew and were expecting. So he's not in any trouble beyond that four game suspension. But that means that we're going to probably be seeing a lot more of Kalen Bellage. We're going to see maybe some the debut of Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin will get involved a bit more as well. So brain a lot of personnel moves here over the course of the past few days. And wouldn't you go figure the Dolphins are riding high, they get a big win, and then they lose their number one receiver. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, it's look, it's not good when when you're talking about a guy like Preston Williams, who uh, is developing into arguably a number one receiver, and he tears his ACL because significant injury. And uh you hope that that doesn't stunt his development as he's probably going to miss very much of the off season and you don't even know if he's going to be ready for training camp. Um, so that that's an injury that could linger into next year. Uh, so that's, that's tough. The, the Walton suspension, like you said, they knew it was coming. And I think the, the best thing about that is that we're going to get a look at Chris Laird and potentially Miles Gaskin, and we're going to get to evaluate those guys. I'm really excited to see Chris Laird because I was really impressed with him in the preseason. Uh, just a guy that consistently just showed incredible vision and patience in his runs, and I just want to see if it's something that can translate into the regular season in into now because now it's going to be him and Kalen Balaj and I know we know what we've got in Kalen Balaj he's just a hammer he's just a, a straight ahead runner he doesn't have very much wiggle or creativity or vision um so I'm really looking forward to seeing him and I and I want to see Miles Gaskin too because I mean we used a draft pick on him it wasn't a high pick I mean, what was he a seventh round pick uh, but he's a guy that that's got some niftiness to him and and some explosiveness, and so I want to see what these young guys look like because as we go into next year, one of the things that that we haven't really talked a lot about because it's probably not the biggest need because this te- this Dolphins team has so many needs going forward, whether it's offensive line or defensive back, obviously quarterback um, and defensive line. And linebacker, but you're going to want to figure out what this backfield is going to look like for the future. And Chris Laird and Miles Gaskin are potential pieces uh, to that. Now, I don't know if 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 both of them are going to be pieces of the puzzle. If one of them were going to be a piece of the puzzle, but it's going to be fun to to take a look at them. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. Uh, Patrick Laird was a guy that we were all very excited about in the preseason. So seeing him get some actual NFL game time could be a lot of fun. Some more news this week was that the Dolphins are sacrificing a home game in 2020 to quote unquote host an international series game. We don't know yet if that's going to be Mexico City or London, but we know that the Dolphins are giving up a home game here. Uh, it's one of those things that, <laughs> I don't know, it seems like a risky move 
from the standpoint of Dolphins ownership to give up a home game in 2020, which is the year after you're basically tanking um, to get a number one draft pick. So it seems like that's not exactly a goodwill move towards your season ticket holders by eliminating one of their home games. But regardless, that's something that the Dolphins are doing for 2020. And they're going to London again. They've played in London, or they might go to London. They might be going to Mexico City. Either way, they're going international again. It's not something new for the Dolphins. They've played in London a couple of times already. Um, But it was an interesting decision as far as I was concerned. I don't know if you've got strong feelings about that one way or the other, Bryn. I think this is the fourth time we're playing in London, and I think... The three previous times. We don't, we don't know if it's in London. It might be Mexico. Oh. Well, this is the fourth time that the Dolphins are playing one of these international games. And I believe the previous three, at least two of the three, I believe all three, we lost the home game. So I don't understand why we always are the ones losing the home game. Because we did it, I, again, I mean, we, I think we were we lost the home game, but we definitely we played in London against the Giants. We played in London against the Jets. We played in London against the Saints uh, a couple of years ago. I think that's it. But I believe all three of those we lost the home game, and so I don't know if this is a, a Stephen Ross decision or if the league just has something against the Dolphins. Like the the Dol- like do they think that you know when we go to London that you know we've got like eighty percent of the crowd, the you know cheering for us. Not that that really matters because that's not really what matters when you're talking about a home or away game. It's more or less you know the fact that you're sleeping in your own bed, you're working at your own facility, the comfort of, you know, the comforts of home. I just don't understand why it's always us losing the home game. Yeah, it's kind of a frustrating thing, uh, but here it is. It's it's going to be happening again in 2020, and the Dolphins will deal with it however they need to deal with it. Um, speaking of London, there were some other Dolphins related news. I guess this is sort of Dolphins adjacent news. The Athletic broke a story this week that supposedly the Chargers are in, there is some sort of conversation about the Chargers potentially moving to London. Now, for what it's worth, the Chargers owner has come out and denied this strongly with expletives. And he's saying there's no way it's not happening. It's the, the, the Chargers are not going to uh, London. But in that news, it was said that there may be a reshuffling of divisions. What would happen is if the Chargers ended up going to London and, in fact, moving to be a London-based franchise, that they would move to the AFC East. The Houston Texans would move to the AFC West. And the Miami Dolphins would move to the AFC South. And that realignment would put the Dolphins in a division with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, and uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Brain, a lot of people are up in arms about this possibility because they're like, well, Dolphins Jets, Dolphins Bills, Dolphins Patriots, these are rivalries. You can't reshuffle the divisions. Um You know, I will remind everybody that the Dolphins used to be in the same division as the Indianapolis Colts, but the Colts moved when the realignment went to four four divisions, and they moved the Colts out of the AFC East, and it wasn't 
a big deal. And I think equally, while it's a rivalry now, if they had to move the team, they would move the team. You know, in the in Major League Baseball, the Houston Astros moved from the National League to the American League. It wasn't as simple as a division change. They they moved into a whole different league. Um, so it's not like an extreme thing. And as we mentioned, there's seems to be strong resistance to the idea that this is even a possibility. So if it happens, it would probably be several years down the road. But what are your thoughts on A, a team playing in London, and B, the Dolphins potentially changing divisions? Is that something that bothers you one way or the other? Look, the fact is that when they when they realigned and they took the Colts out, the reason that they took the Colts out of the division is because the other four teams in the division had more history as far as rivalries. Because you remember the Indianapolis Colts were once the Baltimore Colts. Um, they were an NFL team. And I don't believe that they joined the AFC. I mean, I, I don't think they were in the AFC East very long uh, before. They, they were certainly, you know... The rivalry that the Colts had with those teams was nothing compared to Dolphins Jets or Patriots Jets or, uh, or Dolphins Bills or, you know, Bills Jets, you know, those rivalries. That's why, you know, they put Indianapolis in that because they put Indianapolis in the AFC South. Indian, Indianapolis is not in the South. They put Indianapolis in the South because they had nowhere else to put them because they didn't fit into the AFC East because the other teams had all the rivalries. The other place that you could have put them was the AFC North. But then you looked at the AFC North and you had the Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Bengals. And all four of those teams had their history together and the Colts didn't have any rivalry with them. So the Colts just kind of got put into this no man's land. Um, the Dolphins are the only team <laughs> that has any kind of like, you know, rivalry. If you go back to, you know, pre realignment with, with the Colts, um, it would suck. I think because the Dolphins Jets is such a, I don't want to say a great rivalry, but it's such a passionate rivalry because of the, you know, the fact that you get so many New Yorkers down here. There's so many Jets fans living in South Florida. Um, and you could say the same about, you know, the, the, the people from, from New England that come down to South Florida. Uh, and there's actually a lot of Dolphins fans up in like upstate New York. So that Dolphins Bills rivalry. And don't forget that in the nineties, that Dolphins Bills rivalry was the rivalry in the division. So there's a lot of history there. So it, yeah, it would suck to lose that those rivalries, but rivalries come and go because I mean the Dolphins Bills rivalry, look at how passionate it was in the nineties when you had Brian Cox here and in Dan Marino going up against Jim Kelly and and Andre Reed and Thurman Thomas and it was a battle for the AFC East every year and it went into the playoffs. Um to where we were playing each other in the playoffs several times, even in an AFC championship game. And the Dolphins Patriots has developed into a, you know, kind of a good rivalry, but not, it's, it's not like this big rivalry where, uh, where we're playing for anything. Cause obviously the Patriots have had our number, but the, but the Patriots seem to lose, you know, every other year when they come to Miami. Uh, but look at how, how passionate that Bills rivalry is. And now when you play the Bills, do you even really think of it as a rivalry? You really don't because, 
It's just it doesn't have that same cachet because neither team has been very good uh, for for so long. And the Dolphins Jets thing, it's more of a fan rivalry than an actual team rivalry. The players don't seem to have any animosity towards each other. So I think it's just one of those things that rivalries come and go. You put us in whatever division we're going to be in. Look, when we play the Jets, when it happens, it's still going to be, you know, passionate and there's going to be some hatred, you know, assuming that they do realign and they do put us in this other division. But look, I mean, we'll just develop a new rivalry with Tennessee. When you play a team twice every single season, there's going to be, there's going to be some extra chippiness. You're going to know them better. And that's how rivalries, uh, are formed. You end up, you know, your games mean more. Uh, I think the only thing that sucks is, is that knowing the Dolphins luck is that they're going to put us in this new division the year that Tom Brady retires and the division is up for grabs. And then meanwhile, Deshaun Watson's going to be doing his thing and we're going to be dealing with Deshaun Watson for the next decade. Same old Dolphins. Same old Dolphins. Well, the same old Dolphins have a game coming up against a potential AFC South rival. It's the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts coming in to this game against the Dolphins um, with a 5-3 and three record coming in after a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers where their kicker, Adam Vinatieri, who is just... It seems like we've reached the end of the road for Adam Vinatieri. You thought the Colts might move away from him after this week, when after he misses the potential game-winning field goal against the Steelers. They don't. They still have him. Um, but it's been a long, rough road for Adam Vinatieri. He's missed a couple of key field goals. Well, he's missed quite a few field goals this season, but a couple of key potential game-winning field goals for the Colts this year. Um, been a tough ride for them. But the Colts, as you alluded to earlier in the show, also a bit banged up as they come into this game. Uh, it sounds like T.Y. Hilton is not going to play Sunday, their, their, their star receiver. And it looks like Jacoby Brissett is set to miss this game as he is dealing with an MCL sprain. Um, so it sounds like we're going to get Brian Hoyer versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if that is not a juicy quarterback matchup, Brian Hoyer versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, baby. And this is one of the exclusive late games on Sunday on CBS, the Dolphins Colts 4 or 425 PM. Oh man, this is, this is pretty much as close to primetime as these Dolphins are like to get. But uh, going to be uh, aside from the primetime game and we had a couple right besides, ago. besides that Monday night game which was actually a primetime game. But you know, you know what I mean. As far as the rest of the way here, uh Dolphin unless the unless NBC grows a pair and decides to flex Dolphins Bengals into uh the Sunday night spot in week oh, 16. Man. Highly unlikely. Put the Tua Bowl on national TV on Sunday night. Why not? That that's the good stuff. Surely there's not going to be a more interesting game involving an actual like playoff positioning or something like that. No, no, no. Tuable is the game to put on TV. But anyway, before we get there, Dolphins at Colts this Sunday. What do the Dolphins need to do to get a win over the Indianapolis Colts? The Colts seem to be pretty much middle of the road on both sides of the ball. So tell me what you think the Dolphins are going to need to do in this one. Well, the biggest thing is that the Colts are dealing with injuries. Uh, with Jacoby Brissett out. Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer is in. Brian Hoyer is a, you know, serviceable quarterback. Not, not so different from, 
from Ryan Fitzpatrick in that he is a, a heady veteran, uh, that, is, you know, accurate. He's not as mobile and he's maybe not as uh, exciting as, as Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's certainly a serviceable guy. He's a game manager. Uh, but they're also losing, uh, they're also going to be without T.Y. Hilton and uh, Paris uh, Campbell, who are their top two wide receivers. So they're probably going to try to run the ball a lot in this game. And, uh, whether so, I, I believe you're you're looking to to key in on Marlon Mack, but then you also got to be ready for them to throw the ball out of the backfield to Naheem Hines. Expect the two tight ends that they run a lot, uh, Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. I think this team runs two tight ends probably as much, if not more, than anybody else in the league. So uh, look for those guys to be big fixtures in the offensive game plan for the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be a test for Jerome Baker and for Raekwon McMillan and this Dolphins defensive line. Uh, but I believe if we stop the run with Campbell and Hilton gone, uh, there's not much of a big play threat and Brian Hoyer, not really a big play quarterback. So I think this really plays into the Dolphins hands and should make their defensive game planning a lot easier, uh, because in order for the Colts to have success, they're going to need to go on sustained drives or they're going to need, you know, big chunk plays out of the ground game or out of, you know, dump offs to, you know, screens to go for, for big gains. So it's, you know, it's difficult for them to get chunk plays in that way. So I think the Dolphins defense, which has been improved, uh, basically every week, uh, this is a great opportunity for them to continue to get better. Uh, even without Xavier and Howard, but, uh, you know, you see the, the improved play from guys like Nick Needham and Ryan Lewis and Jamal Wiltz, Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan. This is, this is a Dolphins defense that I think is well equipped and matches up well with this Indianapolis Colts offense. And on the other side of the ball, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick's doing his thing. I just wonder, can we get a running game going? Uh, without Mark Walton, I want to see what Chris Laird can do. Um, Devontae Parker now is your unquestioned number one receiver. And I like what I've seen from Devontae Parker uh, this season. He's been consistent. He's been doing his thing. He had a bad drop in this last game, but then followed it up in a toned with a, with a, with a touchdown, with a great touchdown reception later in the drive in the game against the Jets. This is this is a scary matchup if you're a fan of the tank because the Dolphins because of the injuries I don't think the Dolphins are are overmatched in this game but that said I you're getting the Colts in Indy uh the crowd's going to be fired up the players are going to be fired up they're coming off of a loss they're inducting Dwight Freeney into their ring of honor and this is uh, a renowned is dolphin killer, Dwight Freeney. I mean, renowned NFL killer, Dwight That's Freeney, true. a great. I mean, is he in the Hall of Fame yet? If he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, he will be uh, just a tremendous uh, edge rusher in his time with the Colts. I think. Uh, you know, a Colts team that's that's playing for for playoffs. They they're they're f- fighting for playoff position, and like I said, the Dolphins. I still am not 100% sold that they aren't trying to lose. I think the Dolphins are competitive in this game. 
But there'll be one or two times in this game where the Dolphins do something that you're like, well, I don't know what the what what happened there, but that's uh, certainly good news for the tank. Uh, I'm going to say the Colts pull away in the fourth quarter and take this one 27 to 17. Yeah, I think just looking at the Dolphins, it it's going to be a closer game just mainly because I think uh, the Colts are still going to be finding their way with Brian Hoyer. But I think that the Dolphins have been riding a fairly hot streak with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, we have to remember the Dolphins only scored five points in that second half against the Jets. So, you know, keep that in mind as well when you think about the fact that the Dolphins are coming off a win. But I think we're going to see a little bit of regression from Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. And I think the Dolphins are going to struggle a little bit. But I I still think it'll be fairly close. And I think the Colts are going to pull out a victory. I'm going to call it uh, let's call it 24 to 13 Colts going to defeat your Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins fall to one and eight. I think that's about all what we've got for this episode, Brain. This has been a good one. Kind of had a lot to talk about. It's been a very solid episode. And I think we're now ready to tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am at Amplified to Rock. The show, as always, is at Same Old Dolphins. And our Facebook page is Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. Every episode of the show is available over there. Um, additionally, every episode of the show is on DolphinsTalk.com, which is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. There are a number of podcasts, articles, columns, all kinds of things over there at DolphinsTalk.com. So make sure you're visiting the website every day. And if you're a fan of all of the podcasts over there, Perfectville, Two Old Dolphins, Fins Up, Fans Down, a lot of shows over there. Dolphins Talk Daily, of course, Tailgate Talk with uh, Pat and Ronde. If you're into all of those shows, we're shortly going to be pulling together, putting out in R- a single RSS feed where you can subscribe to all of the shows in one feed. So you just put the one RSS feed in your podcatcher and you'll get every episode of every show from DolphinsTalk.com. So uh, that's that's coming your way soon. So keep an eye out for that over there on the website. Of course, check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, everywhere that you can find podcasts. And of course, the biggest one being Apple Podcasts, where you we encourage you to, if you haven't already, uh, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review of the show. We really appreciate it as it helps other folks find the show. That's going to do it. We'll be back early next week to talk about the Dolphins' trip to Indianapolis and all of the fallout and where the Dolphins go from here. Are we continuing the track towards Tua, or is the road changing, and are we going to have to make other plans? That's a conversation that will continue as we see what the Dolphins do in this game this weekend. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking to my mom.